Can I invite you up, Mark? We'd love to, to hear from you. Uh, Mark, I was just sharing with the, the 9 o'clock service that um, I first sort of came to experience your, your fingerprints of your work at the church that you were ministering at, which is one of the larger churches in Melbourne. And I went to, I was still working in the area of kids and family, and I went to see our friend Brett Ryan, yeah. who was overseeing the kids. And, and here I was pastoring a church that had been fairly broken and was rebuilding. I was at a place where I think we had about 20 to 30 kids at that point. And, um, and I walked and asked Brett, like, so tell me about your church. And he said, well, we started with 200 kids. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you started, did you, <laughs> with that? And now we're about 800 kids. So you, yeah. you, you add that with the families. So this is a large church. Mm. But what I loved about it was it felt personal. It wasn't about the size, like the numbers were one thing, but, mm. but the feel and the love and the care and the, the, the culture that you had in that place was just incredible. And then more recently, I've got to sit under your teaching at some of the Churches of Christ training as a pastor and have really appreciated that um, Thanks, personally. So yeah. thank you so much. I'm really excited about what God's going to say through, through you um, to the church. So. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Thanks, Tim. Mark. That's really kind of you. Uh, morning, everyone. Good to see you today and really great to be here in Ballarat at uh, York Street Church of Christ. So thank you, Tim, for your welcome. We had a really great nine o'clock service with all the early risers. You all had a good sleep in? Only kidding. Not really. Uh, A little bit about myself. Uh, I was born in Melbourne and then I grew up in America, Portland, Oregon, for about 10 years before coming back to Melbourne. Uh, My wife, Nicole, was born in Germany, grew up in South Africa, and we met in Rockhampton, as you do. So a little bit of the United Nations in our family, been married for 35 years now, three uh, young adult children, uh, two grandkids, four grand dogs, and so that's kind of my family world, and so plenty of activity happening there. Uh, I was a pastor, a senior pastor, for for many, many years, and then uh, finished up in that role about five years ago, so now doing a bit of coaching and supervision and training on the teaching team at a, another church in Melbourne, and also get to travel a little bit and uh, come and uh, speak at churches like this. Uh, I was here pre-COVID, but uh, did a lot of things online during COVID. I think I prepared uh, probably 25 different video sermons for churches, and I think we had one message come through here. So uh, good to be here in person, and so thank you very much for your welcome today. Love your theme for the year, one story. Why don't we say this together? One story, one faith. One hope. Hopefully that's not the first time you've noticed that over there. That's your theme for the year. And I really like that. And so I want to add to that today as we share a message called How to Connect with God. That's our title for today, How to Connect with God. And we do want to look at some ways that you and I, whether you're a follower of Jesus already, or maybe you're just here going, what's what's going on? What's happening? Maybe you're inquiring. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, just talk a little bit about what it means to connect with God. So we're going to read a couple of statements from the Gospel of John. John 15, verses 1 to 3. I'm reading from the NIV translation. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain or abide or keep connected to me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. These are some of Jesus' final words that he shares just with his disciples before we know he heads to the cross. And so in these final words, he's sharing some things that are really important. He's going to be leaving, but they're going to be staying. And he's basically saying, as you remain here, it's incredibly important that you connect, that you remain, that you abide in me so that you can live fruitful lives. Uh, maybe Jesus is walking through a vineyard. You know, he loved to draw, an- he loved to draw analogies from the culture around him. So uh, maybe he was walking through a vineyard with his disciples and saw uh, the, the fruit, the grapes. Maybe there was a branch that had been cut off and it was withering and dying. And maybe there were some branches with no fruit or little fruit or much fruit. And so he draws this analogy uh, from a vineyard. I don't know, maybe today uh, in our technological world, maybe he would say something like, you were the phone and I'm the charger. Different analogy, but you know my point? Phone's great, but how many know when the battery gets a little low, unless you plug into a power source, not going to be much use. And so maybe he would use a different analogy in our world. But there's some great insights for us. The challenge, of course, is he wants you and I to live fruitful lives. Not to have no fruit, not just a bit of fruit, but more fruit, but much fruit. And fruit, of course, is that character of the Spirit It's the impact we have on the world around about us. And fruit isn't something you have to strive and struggle towards. You never walk by a fruit tree and hear it groaning, trying to have fruit. No, it's the natural outflow of connection to a life source. And so uh, we can live fruitful lives through our relationship with Jesus. There's also an interesting application there. Notice the word prune. How many think that's an exciting word? Anyone else? (laughs) I'm not a gardener, but I do understand that vineyards as well as bushes and trees often grow more foliage than is healthy. And so a gardener will prune, a bit painful, but prune so that the quality and the quantity of fruit will increase. And there's probably another whole message in itself, but sometimes life produces far more than is healthy. And sometimes we need a little bit of pruning. Um, if, if you're interested, just Google the word essentialism today and you'll find in the business literature there's a whole bunch of thinking around the disciplined pursuit of less. And maybe we're better to do fewer things well than many things less well. Jim Collins, this business analyst, says every company should set five new goals for the year and decide to stop doing five things. We tend to add, but we very rarely subtract. So sometimes we just keep adding, 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 adding until the point that we've got a lot of stuff happening, but we're not very fruitful. That's an interesting movement. Then uh, anyone heard of the, the minimalism movement? Two people? Google minimalism. It's a huge movement of maybe we need less rather than more. And maybe all the stuff that we've got is actually not making us happy. You know, in Melbourne, uh, in the suburbs, a lot of houses have double garages now. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, most people don't put their cars in the garages because they're full of stuff. Not here in Ballarat, but in Melbourne. (laughs) In fact, one of the fastest growing industries in Melbourne, in our cities, you know what it is? The storage industry. Because our garages can't hold all of our stuff. We're getting more and more and more and more. And, you know, one of the the great best-selling books is by Marie Kondo called The Magic of Tidying Up. Anyone ever heard of that? Just take an item, put it in your hand and go, does this bring me joy? And there's a lot of stuff that doesn't bring you joy anymore. Give it away to someone else who can get some joy from it. Maybe 
less is more. Maybe we need some pruning. This could be for someone today. Maybe you're planning a garage sale right now. Just don't sell someone else in your family stuff. Just make sure it's your stuff you're selling. So, so I think pruning, there's a whole, whole insight there. But what, what I want to focus on is this whole thought of being connected to Jesus. What, what does that look like? Obviously, obedience is part of that. But I want to propose to you today that we all connect to God differently. And, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in church, and I heard a lot of sermons. Some people said, if you want to be a real strong Christian, you need to get up early in the morning. And they'll preach on, you know, early in the morning, I will rise up and seek you. Well, my theory is if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he would schedule a little later in the day. Other people say, no, it's late at night. And their favorite scripture is, at midnight, I will rise and pray. So some people say it's morning. Some people say it's night. Other people say you need to fast. Fast food. Not fast food, but fast food. Or, or, you, or you need to memorize scripture. You know, everyone has a different way that they project on us. And sometimes we try those things, and sometimes they work. Sometimes they may not. And we can end up believing that maybe being close to God is just for a, a special few. I'd like to propose to you today that just as you have a unique fingerprint, a unique personality, a unique set of spiritual gifts, a unique uh, love language of how you communicate and receive love, that maybe you're unique in how you connect to God. Maybe you're wired a little bit differently than the person next to you. And so I want to share today in our time together some different ways that people have connected to God throughout history right up until today. And as I sh just share a few of these different styles of connecting, I want you just to listen. And, and some of them you'll be going, yeah, that's me. Some of you'll be going, that's definitely not me. And so I just want you to have a reflection on what are some moments in your past where you felt closest to God, where you've sensed his presence, where you felt connected intimately with him? Or, or, or maybe what are some of the ways that that's going to happen for you in the future? Let me share a few with you. First of all, we have what's called the contemplative style. Uh, if you have the contemplative style, you're a person who loves to get out in nature. Uh, there's something about a garden or a river or, or a night sky with all of the, the star constellations. You, you love nature. You love creation. And you, you feel closer to God in those places, maybe even than in a church building. If this is your style, you love solitude. You don't mind being alone. You love contemplation and meditation and, and reflection and just having some non-busy, non-noisy time. Uh, even as I'm talking right now, there are some of the spaces where, for you, God feels closer. Now, if this is not your style, you're, you're feeling stressed already. Uh, a silent retreat, just kind of, how could I ever do that? that that's right. Uh, just think about the way you... Are wired. Um, if you're not this style, people like this seem like their heads in the cloud, like they're marching to a different drum beat. But for many people, it's through contemplation, it's through being still, it's through reflecting, maybe through journaling. These are the moments that you feel most close to God. Maybe that's your style. A second style, very different, we're going to call the intellectual style. If this is your style, you need your mind challenged. And it's in thinking about God and grasping the wonders of who God is and what God's like and the mysteries of the world. Um, you know, you like intellectually stimulating material. 
You'd love studying God's word and going a little deeper into the Greek and the Hebrew and the background. If you hear a sermon that's got a lot of stories and a lot of jokes, you're going, where's the meat? Come on, you know who you are. Where's the meat? You're looking for some substance. You're looking for some theology. Um, If this is your style, then you love this picture of all the books. And there's a certain joy in just buying another book, even if you haven't read the other books on your shelf. Only fellow book addicts understand what I'm talking about. And, 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 you know, so so this this might be your style. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Not the removal of your mind, the renewal of your mind. And we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, Don't underestimate the power of our mind. You know, Martin Luther was one day reading the book of Romans, and he read that sentence, the just will live by faith. He'd been living in an environment that was all about works and penance and what you can do, and those words jumped off the page and hit his mind and then lit a fire in his spirit, and a whole reformation began. So maybe this is your style. If this is your style, you've probably got books by C.S. Lewis, maybe a little bit of N.T. Wright or John Lennox or um, Lee Strabell. If you don't know those names, don't even worry about it. Are you an intellectual style? Is that where you connect with God? A third style is the serving style. This is where uh, you find you're closest to God when you're serving, when you're using your gifts, when you're doing something to help someone else. It could be working in a soup kitchen or playing an instrument or uh, running a, a program for children or leading a small group. When you're serving, it's like you feel God's presence. Reminds me of the Olympian, Eric Liddell. He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. What's he saying? He's saying, when I do what I'm good at, I sense God near me more than at other times. Apparently, Mother Teresa, who um, became world famous for her compassion for the poor, won many awards, spoke on many stages. Near the end of her life, it said that she said this, I feel most alive in Christ when I'm holding a dying child on the streets of Calcutta. What an amazing statement. For all of her awards, all of her stage presentations, she says, when I'm actually helping someone who's suffering, that's when God feels really close to me. And so maybe you have this serving style. That's where you sense God's presence more than at other times. A couple more. Uh, Number four is the relational style. If you've got this style, then doing things in community is where God's presence kind of comes alive for you. So to pray alone is one thing, but to go to a prayer group or to study the Bible alone is one thing, but to go to a Bible study when you're praying, when you're studying together, to serve alone would be difficult. But when you're on a serving team, there's something about a community aspect. When other people are doing things together, God seems near for you. If this is your style, then your favorite verse is when two or three get together in my name. Jesus is there. Not that he's not there other times, but there's something about a community connection for you. And then one more. This is not a a, a, a total comprehensive list. It's just a a sample list. Number five is the charismatic style. If this is your style, then you love the manifest presence of God. What do I mean by that? Well, God is omnipresent. God's everywhere at all times. There's nowhere you can go where God isn't. But the manifest presence are those moments when 
God becomes real to us. It's like we wake up. Remember the story of Jacob? He's in this desert place, and then he has this dream of this stairway and angels going up and down, and he wakes up and he goes, how awesome is this place? (laughs) What turns a desert place into an awesome place? He says, God was here, and I was not aware of it. He suddenly became aware that God was there. And so if this is your style, then it's those moments where you sense God is here. It could be uh, during a worship song or or a prayer time or a ministry time uh, or praying for someone and God intervenes. For you, um, you know, if you come to church and it's two fast songs, two slow songs and offering a sermon, we go home, it's like, oh, well, it was okay today. But if something spontaneous happened or someone shared a bit of a word with you between the meeting, uh, God showed up today. You like that spontaneous, unpredictable nature of of God at work. Maybe this is your style. And so that's just a a sample of different ways throughout history that people have connected with God. So just in applying this in our last few minutes, the first thing I want you to do is is to identify your primary abiding style. Uh, You know, probably a combination, but I wonder which one of those resonated with you the most. Just a little bit more than others. Just out of interest, how many, when I was talking about the contemplative, you kind of went, yeah, I identify with that. Any contemplatives? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Just be a little quiet around these people today. How many identified with the intellectual style? Okay. Come on, where's all the book, book lovers, Bible study graduates? Yeah, lots of you. If you've got a theological question today, ask these people. If you want to know how a good God can allow suffering in the world, they know. Just go and talk to them. They've already figured it out. Uh, What about the, uh, what was the third one? Serving style. Anyone identify with a serving style when you, yep. If you want something done, these are the people you ask. Like they're the doers. Uh, What about the relational style? Anyone identify with that? Yeah. Quite a few hands going up. What about the charismatic style? Do we have anyone that identified with that? Yeah, quite a few. If you're not feeling well today, these are the people to pray for you. Like, you know, they they believe God can work. Who did not lift their hand up? (laughs) It's right. You got all five in perfect balance, right? I I understand. There's one in every crowd. Only joking. So identify your primary style. I'm probably a little bit of all of them, but I think for me, um, the contemplative is probably the life-giving one for me. I find if life is really busy and active, if I'm not getting that time just to be still, to reflect, I like to journal, then I start to skim a little bit, and I find that is a real life-giving thing for me. And so just identifying your primary style, not the one you think you should have, not the one you want, but just when God is closest to you, I think can be very helpful. Uh, Secondly, pretty logical, is arrange your life around that. So if you're a contemplative, don't fill your week with appointments. Like make time for solitude, for reflection, for getting out into the garden or, you know, just, just make time for that. If, if you're the intellectual person, it's okay. Buy that other book. Uh, join that course. Uh, get into that Bible study. Uh, lean into that. If you're a serving style, it, it's okay to volunteer for two teams in the church. Is that right? You, you can be involved in two ministries. Tim's saying three. <laughs> no. You know, like use your gifts. You know, if you're the relational style, you can be in more than one small group as long as they don't meet at the same time. Uh, if you're the charismatic style, then, you know, l- you know, 
lean into the, the worship music, the prayer, and, and, and maybe be on a prayer team you know, if, if that's your start. It just makes sense. If that's when you're connecting most to God, why not do more of that? Uh, no, no guilt. Just be free to do that. Thirdly, it's really important. Accept others who are different. If you're married, you're probably married to different. Let's just say you are married to different. Accept others who are different. I had one woman come up after I shared this at one church. She says, oh, that was so helpful today. I'm the charismatic style and my husband's a contemplative and I've always wondered something was wrong and he just sits there and does nothing and now I realize that's okay. I said, you got it. You know, it's easy to project onto others who we are and why aren't you more like me? It can be very releasing just to go, this is me and this is not me and they're a little bit different and that's okay. I think a lot of us carry guilt for not being like something we should be and not enough just contentment with who we are. So accept others who are different. No envy, or I wish I had that style, or no judgment, you don't have this style. It's okay just to be who you are. Uh, number four is really important, is to learn other ways of connecting with God. Every one of these styles taken to an extreme have a weakness. If all you do is contemplate, how many know you'll probably end up in a monastery? How did monasteries start? People who just wanted to contemplate. Well, it's good to contemplate, but we also need community. We also need to serve. So uh, learn some other styles. Uh, intellectual's great, but I, I tell you, there's some things about God you'll never figure out with your mind. There's a mystery to God. And so intellectuals need to also balance out. Uh, a serving style is fantastic too, but you know, if you're not careful, you can burn out. You can become like a Martha who was so busy doing the work of the Lord, she neglected the Lord of the work and she didn't learn just to sit and to be at Jesus' feet. Serving is good, but you've got to Sabbath, you've got to rest. Relation is good too, but we can be dependent on others. Charismatic, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, loved the Holy Spirit, but some mornings you get up to pray and you don't feel anything. But God's there whether you feel him or not because we have to build our life on truth, not on feeling. And so maybe some of these styles you're a little less comfortable with, maybe grew up in an environment where they weren't talked about as much. Lean into your primary style, but learn some other styles. You know, Jesus modeled all five in full balance. Jesus was a contemplative, you know. Sometimes we think Jesus is a ministry machine in the Gospels, preaching, healing, uh, training disciples. But if you just read the narratives between all the teachings and the healings, it'll say stuff like, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to solitary places. He loved the water and he loved the mountain. Something therapeutic about water, something cool about getting up on a mountainside above everything. Jesus was a, a contemplator. He spent a lot of time alone. Jesus was intellectual. He was the word in human form. Jesus was a servant. He took the towel up, washed people's feet. Jesus was relational. He did life in community. And Jesus was charismatic. He was full of the Spirit. And so learn other ways of connecting. I think it's also interesting that different styles may have different meanings at different seasons in our life. Maybe earlier in your faith journey, one style was very meaningful. Maybe now it's different. Or maybe it's a particular season in your life where uh, the, the circumstances have changed the way that you connect with God. 
And so consider that. And then number five is to consider the implications for church life. Uh, you know, sometimes church reflect their leader. And if the leaders are contemplative, well, no one turns up because everyone's on retreat. Um, if the leader's an intellectual, every meeting has notes with fill-ins. <laughs> if the leader is a serving style, then there's a thousand programs and we're changing the world by next Saturday. You know, if the leader's a relational style, there's a lot of barbecues, a lot of potlucks, a lot of yum chars, a lot of food, a lot of fellowship. If the leaders are charismatic, then we clear the chairs and there's a lot of prayer time. Now, I'm not mocking any of those because they're all really good, but how many know a, a great church celebrates all of those styles and gives permission and space for all of those different ways of connecting to God to be experienced in people's lives? Is this helpful today? I hope it's helpful. Maybe it's a review for you. I find this can be incredibly releasing for people just to go, wow, this is the way I'm wired and I can lean into that. I can celebrate that while learning some different styles. And so this year, one story, one faith, one hope. As you keep your eyes on Jesus, my prayer for you is that you will connect more with Jesus. And as you do so, you'll find an incredible fruitfulness in your life and in your church. Everyone said amen. Let me pray for you as our worship team comes forward. Dear God, thank you today for your word, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I don't know everyone in the room today. I don't know everyone online, but you do. And I pray that you would just take one thought today that could potentially be transformational for each person. Lord, you love us, and you gave your son for us. But you want to do life together with us. We aren't saved just to go to heaven. We're saved to do some good works here. And we don't do those things to earn your favor. We already have your favor. And so we want to live fruitful lives. And so help us to do that. Maybe there's a bit of pruning to happen today. Maybe we need to, to clear a few things from our plate so there's some room for some new things to come our way. But most of all, I pray that each one of us would connect with you more intimately, more regularly, more consistently. And as a result, we'll see some incredible fruitfulness in our lives this year. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. Everyone said amen. Amen. Fantastic. I hope that's been helpful for you today. Looking forward to sharing with all the leaders and volunteers uh, over lunch today. So hope you can make that. And then we're... Uh, together again tonight at six o'clock. Uh, just before we sing, I-, I brought a couple of resources with me that may be of interest to you today. A few years ago, I did a survey in our church, and one of the questions was, I wish someone would preach about, and we left it blank. And uh, I collected all the answers, and I had enough to preach until Jesus returns. Uh, but I was interested. People were saying, I wish someone would preach about worry, or anger, or fear, or addiction, or depression. And I realized we were scratching where people weren't itching. And so we ended up putting a whole series together called Prison Break. Uh, Freedom from fear, freedom from worry, freedom from addiction, freedom from depression. We looked at the story of Elijah who was so depressed he was suicidal. How did God bring him through that? And uh, it was one of the most impacting series we did. And so we ended up putting that in a book called Prison Break, Finding Personal Freedom. And so that may be something of interest to you. Funny story. Someone bought this for a friend who was in prison, and they sent it to them, and it got confiscated and sent back. I think they thought there were tunnel plans or something underneath there. So that's available today. Second book I brought is called Money Talks. Little confession. Two subjects pastors get nervous preaching on, sex and money. 
So I'm going to leave Tim the sex talk or Anthony. Um, I've done the money talks. And this book is not just about giving. It's about earning. It's about saving. It's about living within our means, uh, budgeting. Uh, There's a whole chapter on God's view of business. Uh, Another chapter on fundraising and getting out of debt. And what about investments? Uh, Just a lot of practical stuff on on money. So I'll be in the foyer just to the right of the coffee machine there. Uh, These are $15 each, two for $30. And so uh, Mother's Day coming up, you might want to buy a gift for for your mother or for someone in your world, uh, drop by and say hello. Thanks, everyone. God bless.